of John, uh, John chapter 4, is predominantly where I'm going to stay. I'll bring out a couple of other scriptures, and I want to preach under this title today, Open Your Eyes. Now, a couple weeks ago, I preached uh, under the title, Lift Up Your Eyes, and uh, today I want to preach on Open Your Eyes, Open Your Eyes. Everyone hear me okay? Because I'm, I'm still getting used to this microphone. It picks up my voice slightly different from the handheld. And um, so it sounds awkward to me, but it may sound perfect to you. So uh, preaching under the title, Open Your Eyes. <clears throat> Have you ever asked yourself the question, what is my purpose? Or what is my reason? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What reason do I have for being here? And I've thought many times about this. Why do we ask this question? Why do we feel like we need a purpose? Have you ever considered that? Like, why do I even feel like I need a purpose? That I have this deep need in my life to have and fulfill some kind of purpose, right? Um, I, I've come to just accept and believe that it is because we know there must be some reason that we would, were put here. And I'm a big fan of history. I like to study history. I like to study different cultures throughout uh, history itself. And the majority of all cultures everywhere accept, accept that uh, there is a God and there was someone greater than us that created all of this it's it's a it's a generally accepted thing and it's because deep inside of us there is this need to accept that there's something greater than us that put us here and all of the people that would say they're atheists or non-believers uh, really you have to be educated out of thinking that there's something greater than us doesn't always mean that we know what it is every culture doesn't know uh, some cultures believed it was you know the sun or some cultures believe would believe they would worship the sun and then others would worship the ground or the earth you know that everything come from the earth but there's this there was this thing inside of everyone that just kind of recognized that there's something greater than us and in the same sense, inside of us, there is this recognition that I have to have a purpose to exist. There has to be some reason that I am here. And so much of our life sometimes is spent trying to discover, well, what purpose do I have? And sometimes people find that purpose in their vocation or, or they go through life and find that they have some other purpose um, that they're going to make people laugh or they're going to bring music to them or they're going to uh, entertain or they're going to be a doctor of medicine and that they're going to heal people. Whatever it is, we spend a part of our life trying to find that purpose. And so today I want to address our purpose, our purpose. And so let me say to you, if you're asking the question, do I have a purpose? I want to emphatically state to you that yes, 
you do have a purpose. You have a purpose. God has a purpose for you and a purpose for your life. And so that's what I want to preach on today. Uh, but to understand our purpose, I believe that we need to open our eyes. And I believe 100%, if you don't hear anything else that I say, I, I want you to hear this, that you cannot find your purpose within yourself. Your purpose is only found outside of yourself. It's found in things that happen outside of your life. And so it, it's found in other people. It's found in your interactions with other people. Jesus had a purpose. He came with only one purpose. Luke 19 and 10, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He knew and understood his purpose. There was no other purpose for him coming. That was the only purpose. Jesus had this purpose in mind, that if you and I escape this earth and eternity, having been saved, then Jesus has fulfilled his purpose. His purpose was not to come and to make your life and my life easier. That was not his purpose. His purpose in coming was not so that uh, every one of us could all have everything smoothed out in life and make life just a bed of roses. That was not his purpose in coming. His purpose was not to come and just do away with all of the problems and issues in the world and straighten everything out that was messed up. If that was his purpose, that would have been done on the cross, and now you and I would never struggle with anything ever again. But how many of us will admit we have some struggles? I struggle. I struggle. There are some struggles in life. That was not his purpose. His purpose was solely to come to save you and I from judgment and from hell. That was his purpose. And anyone else who promotes any other purpose outside of that, you need to be aware and, and really take them to task on the word of God. You need to know the scripture for yourself. And you need to weigh out everything that any preacher or teacher would ever tell you. Because Jesus Christ, regardless of what society wants to think today, He did not come to give us our fleshly desires of our heart. He didn't come so that you and I could celebrate a prosperity gospel. That's not why He came. Now, He prospers us. I believe 100% that He will prosper us. But the problem is prosperity and prospering us does not always equal money. It doesn't. Sometimes it means that I suffer. If you don't believe me, question Stephen when we get to heaven. Because Stephen, all he did was preach one message and die, and his death was ultimately so that one man standing by holding the cloak of his killers, that they, he could see what it looked like to be a Christian and not turn away from what God was allowing to happen to you in your life in that moment. And that's how Saul eventually became Paul. And we can't say Stephen was not prospered. He was prospered. God had his hand on Stephen's life, and he was working in that situation. 
So be careful of getting hung up into thinking that, well, I'm, a, I'm serving God and, and everything should be easier and God, everything should be supplied and it should be a smooth road because the enemy will take that in your heart and will twist it to become something that turns you against God. And that's the danger of what a lot of we hear, a lot of what we hear in Christianity today. His purpose was to give you a hope to keep your eyes on even when it's not going well. His purpose was to give you a healing that you could experience. And I'm not talking about just physical healing. I'm talking about eternal healing. His purpose was to give you a heaven to look forward to on rough days down here. To say, you know what, it may not go smoothly today. It may not work itself out. I may not overcome this mountain. I may not get through this obstacle, but I have a heaven that's in my future that if I'll just cling to the rock, if I'll just stand on Jesus Christ, then I know I will make it. That's why he came. And so to be Christian, to be Christian means to be Christ-like. Or at least in the most basic sense, it means to pursue being like him. And we repeat the words often of John the Baptist, I must decrease and he must increase. And we say it with the idea of giving up some portion of our life or fading into the background of our life and giving more over to Jesus Christ and becoming more like him in our righteousness and, and in our lifestyle. And I agree with that. We should be striving toward being like him in holiness and righteousness to be more like Christ. After all, the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And that's not Old Testament, that's New Testament. That's in Hebrews. And, and, and John the Baptist here, though, he's not talking about just me surrendering more of my life to God and more of my life to Jesus Christ and taking those those little corner pieces of our life that we have hidden that no one knows about and surrendering that ultimately to God eventually before he returns or before we die. That's not what John was talking about. John the Baptist was talking about surrendering so that all that people could see whenever they looked at the forerunner of Jesus was to look at Jesus. That's what John was talking about. John was saying, if you're looking at me and thinking this is impressive, I want you to say, turn your eyes away from me and look toward Jesus. Don't get hung up on me and my ministry, but you look toward Jesus because Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one with the purpose. Jesus is the one who's going to change your life. Jesus is the one who's going to change everything about eternity and about this world. Don't look at me. Look at him. I'm on my way out and he's on his way in and he's got power that I can't even imagine. He's got power that you cannot even imagine and he's got things for you that's what john was saying he wasn't just saying i'm surrendering my life so that jesus can do more he was saying look at jesus look at jesus look at jesus 
John had a purpose and he understood his purpose and he knew where that purpose started and that purpose ended. It started in him being the one drawing people to himself because he stood out. He was different. He was a man that was wearing animal skins and living in a field in a wilderness and eating locusts to survive. And John was okay with that distinction and that difference because he knew he was serving a purpose and his purpose was beyond him. It was a kingdom of God thing to be the forerunner of the Messiah and he knew that his purpose ended right there everything had to be about pointing people to Jesus Christ John had a purpose and I'm talking to everyone in this room today you have a purpose 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 tells us the purpose of every single child of God. It says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to pay attention to that. The ministry of reconciliation. He's not, whenever I was in high school and, and even college, I can remember... And I actually, next Wednesday, I get to go to another meeting. I thought I would escape these in adulthood, but uh, because of work I do with the university, I've got to go to one. Uh, but it's, it's all about reconciling people who are having fights. And, and I can remember, you know, we'd sit in high school and, and, and college, and they'd teach us how to work out uh, people's issues and problems without it being a major sticking point, right, and, and having coming to blows, so to speak, and uh, to try and reconcile the situation. This is not the type of reconciliation that Paul is talking about. He says he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God robed himself in flesh, and he came to be among us, so that he can reconcile and fix and redeem and draw all of the world back to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, so he starts to say now, this is what your purpose is. That's what Jesus Christ did. He came, he robed himself in flesh, and he was coming, God working in him to reconcile all of humanity to himself. So what is our purpose? Our purpose then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We have a purpose. We are ambassadors for Christ. And I want to represent him to the best of my ability. And I know that you want that too. But look at someone and say, I'm an ambassador. I am an ambassador. So the question becomes, if I'm an ambassador for Christ... How would Jesus Christ represent himself? How would he go about it? John 4 and 4, John chapter 4, 
gives us the story of a woman at a well, Samaritan woman. And John 4 and 4 starts out this, this story with, but he needed to go through Samaria. So we're talking about being ambassadors. Jesus was a Jew. And this particular route was not a direction that Jews would normally travel. They would not normally take this road. They avoided this route as much as possible because it would take them directly through Samaria. And the Samaritans were held in complete and utter contempt by the Jews. And so there would be few, if any, dealings between the Jews and the Samaritans. But Jesus needed to go to Samaria. He has an appointment with a woman that he's going to meet at a well. And so as he goes through Samaria, he sits down near the village of Sychar at Jacob's well to rest. And it's there at that well that this woman is going to come and meet Jesus, this Samaritan woman. And so in this setting, Jesus leaning against the well, a woman coming to draw water from Jacob's well, that I believe is one of the best examples of the very culture that we find ourselves living in to today. And I believe that you'll agree with me when we start talking about it. But first, I want to lay out a little foundation of the Samaritan worship. The Samaritans were, uh, they were a spiritual people. They had not totally rejected God. They had only started to do uh, a different style of worship. But even though they were spiritual people, the one thing that they were missing is that they lacked knowledge. And Jesus acknowledged this reality with this woman in John 4.22. He said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. You don't know what you're worshiping. You're missing some knowledge. You're missing some experience. You're missing some of the vital truth that, that, that's there. The Samaritans were missing out on something. You see, uh, Samaritan worship was enthusiastic worship. It wasn't very much different from what the Jews had, but it was a little bit different. They did not accept the entire word of God that was given in that day. As a matter of fact, they only accepted what we would call the Pentateuch. And the Pentateuch, uh, we call them the first five books in the Bible. And that was kind of their, their scripture. That was it. Those Samaritan people, they only worshiped based on those five books. So their knowledge was limited. And Jesus is acknowledging this to her. He said, your worship, you worship what you do not know. You're worshiping, but you, you don't know fully. You don't fully understand. You don't have a full truth. Your knowledge is limited, but we know what we worship. You see, the Samaritans had constructed a temple uh, on Mount Gerizim. And this mountaintop temple was to accommodate worshipers who could not or would not go to Jerusalem. It was to help people. It was to meet them halfway. 
And even though their temple was destroyed in 125 B.C., it's interesting today, right now, that Samaritan worship is still going on. There's a Samaritan village right there at that mountain, and they make a pilgrimage a couple of times a year to go up to that mountain and worship. And Jesus was saying, you're enthusiastic. You're worshiping. But, but you, you're lacking something. You're missing the truth and you're missing the knowledge. You've got a portion. You're, you're getting there. You're, you're, in a way, he was saying, you're, you're compromised. That you, you, you've taken worship away from what it was and limited it. And what I find is that there are people all around us who are enthusiastic in their worship. But they lack truth. They lack truth. An example of this is I heard a woman one time say of her church experience growing up. She said, I, I grew up in a real conservative church. I mean, they still taught that fornication and stuff was a sin. Now, that's funny. But it was an example because I sat there and I thought, well, it... it still is a sin sin remains to be sin God has not changed but she was so enthusiastic in her worship she was lacking some knowledge and there are people like that all around you see Jesus is the Messiah and he came to save us from our sins and if we believe him then we are to repent of those sins and if we believe him we are to do as he and scripture suggests we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and his promise and the promise of scripture is that he will fill us with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues as a witness an experience and sign that confirms that he is doing exactly what he promised and he doesn't do it for one person and not another because he is no respecter of persons. He does it for each and every one that would call on him and ask him. That's his promise. And so the Jews were the opposite of the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were different from the Jews. Because Jews had a bit broader understanding. And the Samaritans, they had limited themselves and compromised on some things. But we also understand and know that even though the Jews had all 39 books of the Old Testament, that even though they had a truth of revelation, they understood salvation according to the Old Testament. They allowed themselves to become locked in a formalism that resulted in rejecting Jesus Christ and rejecting truth. And so both the Samaritans and the Jews, they needed something. They needed truth. But here's the dangerous thing about needing truth, is we never know that we're lacking. They didn't know that they were missing something. They didn't know that they needed more revelation. They didn't know that they needed more truth. They did, need, they did not know that they needed more of an experience. They, 
They thought they had it. And I find that today, people are very similar. There are people all around us, they're enthusiastic about worship. But they lack the knowledge of truth. And then there are some that they have all the knowledge of truth. And they're enthusiastic in their worship too. But they lack an experience. And in this room today, there are some that you could say this was your story. You believed. You were enthusiastic. You were devoted. You were devout. But you knew somewhere in your heart that maybe there was something missing or there came a day of revelation that you started thinking, there's more for me. Maybe more knowledge of truth or maybe there was a more of an experience of receiving what God is giving out and what He's pouring out. I can remember uh, we baptized a woman a couple of years ago in, in Jesus' name. And while still in the water, when she came up out of the water and she began to worship God, it, it was the most beautiful thing. It was like the presence of God settled on her and her face. You could see the glory of God shining on her face. And she began to speak in tongues and, and, and just glorify God. And afterwards, I asked her, I said, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because I'm not going to tell someone if they're going to know if they got it. They're going to know. And she said, yes, I heard myself speaking in tongues. And I'll never forget what she said next. She said, all my life, I've looked for a personal connection with God with my God. She said, I finally know. I finally know. And I'm telling that story because I, I want to illustrate to you and I want you to understand there are people all around you and I that they are enthusiastic about Jesus. They're enthusiastic about uh, God and about religion. They're spiritual people. They're hungry. They may even be off in some other religions. They may be Muslim. They may be uh, uh, Hindu. They may, they, they may be any one of the countless religions that are out there. They may even be atheist or agnostic, but they're enthusiastic and they're hungry. They're spiritually hungry and they lack some knowledge of truth and they have a promise that God wants to give them, but they're completely unaware. Like the woman at the Samaritan well, she was completely unaware that there was more. And here Jesus is interrupting her life and telling her there's more. we're talking about being an ambassador ambassadors are not obnoxious and abrasive ambassadors are tuned in to God and they're tuned in to the souls around them ambassadors meet people where they are and show them that there is more and Jesus uses the well and the water is an opportunity with this woman to tell her that you've got a portion. You, you don't, you're, you're worshiping, but you're not sure all about what you're worshiping. The Jews know, but there, there's more. There's more 
coming. And so he uses the well and the water as an opportunity to strike up a conversation with this woman. In John 4 and 7, the woman of Samaria came to draw water. And so Jesus said to her, he said, give me a drink. Give me a drink of water. Verse 9, the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She, she knew the culture. She understood there were some distinctions and that they didn't mix. They didn't come together. John 4.10, Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew, if you had a little bit more of a revelation, if you had a little bit more truth, if you had a little bit more knowledge of what God is trying to do and give the gift to you, if you knew who I was, if you knew about me, you would say, give me a drink, and you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. See, I believe this woman wholeheartedly, she fits right into the culture we live in. And if you don't know, if you're here today and you're questioning, I want to tell you without a shadow of doubt, I don't care what you've heard some other preacher say, regardless of how high you think of them, God has more for you. God always has more for you. There are depths that we've never plumbed in God that we can go deeper. Every time I crack this word of God, and I've been preaching since I was 18, every time I go to study, I get more from it. And there are things that I've not even learned yet that are there that God has promised for me. And there are experiences that I know God has given and he's going to give more. And I want to pursue that with all of my heart. I'm not limiting God. We cannot limit God. He's going to do a new thing. And I want to tell someone, get ready, the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. And so he said, if you would have asked him, he would have given you living water. Jesus carefully led her into an understanding of herself and into a revelation of who he was. He was low-key saying, if you recognized what opportunity you had right now, you would take full advantage. John 4, 13 through 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. If you want to know what that water is, I'm going to tell you it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about it in John chapter 7, verse 37. He talked about the, the, the well springing up, coming up, bellies of living, <laughs> bellies of living water, living water coming from our belly. And the next thing John says is he says he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She wants that water. And so she, now confronted with truth and revelation and understanding, she expresses her deep desire. She says, give me to drink. Give me this water. Give me the water you're talking about. And Jesus, he does something that I would never have expected. He looks at her and he says, well, go call your husband. Now, this is amazing because... I've been working with people for a long time. 
I don't think I've ever just blatantly tried to draw attention to a part of their life that is painful or sinful. But Jesus does it. Now, I'm not going to risk it. Jesus is all-knowing. He's God manifest in the flesh, so he's got a slight edge, just slight. No, I'm kidding. He's got a big edge on all of us. She says, she tries to skirt around the issue. I have no husband. I'm not married. You see, when, when we come in contact with Jesus, when anyone comes in contact with Jesus, he always confronts the unresolved sin that's there. Verse 17, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and one, the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. And in this moment, this moment of confrontation, she quickly realizes Jesus is a prophet. I can see that you're a prophet. I understand now that you're, there's more to you than what I had thought. You're not just a Jew. You're a prophet. And so she asked about the Messiah. And Jesus answered her. He said, I who speak to you am he. I am he. You're being confronted by the Messiah. Now, we're talking about being ambassadors for Christ. And I want you to open your eyes to the harvest field that's in your life. She could have just left enjoying the conversation. She could have went away knowing that she was blessed to interact with the Messiah. She could have went away knowing she had all experienced the truth and she had a revelation no one else in town was going to have. And she could have went away thinking, well, I, now I know more than Samaritans and I know more than the Jews. And, and now she could have went away just being enthusiastic at her experience and worshiping in greater truth and knowledge and understanding. But instead, she did exactly what the purpose God has for us. Whenever I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 she became an ambassador because she ran back to her village and she started saying john 4 29 come see a man who told me all things that i ever did come see a man that pinpointed my problems come see a man that gave me more knowledge and more truth and more revelation come see a man could this man, could this be the Christ? Notice she didn't go running and saying, look, I found the Christ. I found the Messiah. She said, you come and check for yourself. Could this be what we've been waiting on? Could this be what we've been looking for? Could this be the Christ? And it was the power of her testimony that impacted a city. John 4.39 says, Many of the Samaritans of that city 
believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. And I, I want someone, I want you to understand, open your eyes. You have a testimony. You have a testimony. You have an experience with God. And if you've not had that experience yet, God has that experience for you. Just believe Him for it and pursue Him, and He'll give it to you. But your testimony does no good if you don't open your mouth and say, Come see what I've experienced. Come see what I've experienced. Could this be the promise? Could this be what God is trying to do? Could this be what Jesus Christ is doing in this end time generation, this last day? He's fulfilling his promises. His word is true. Could this be it? I've experienced something that I haven't experienced anywhere else. See, she made it possible for Jesus to minister to an entire town. Verse 41 says that many more believed because of his own word. She gave everyone an opportunity to get the same experience she had. Now I'm talking to people in here. How many of us would, would, would say, yes, I was in that place where I wanted more. I thought there could be more, but I sat in a situation where it was never said there is more for you. But one day you found God, God found you, and said you can have more. We have people in here, they came out of Hinduism. They were looking for a God that was more personal. We have people in here that they, they were born into an Orthodox church and they came and they were looking for answers and God began to give them answers and led them and they're growing and now they're being ambassadors and they're witnessing. We have people in here that the only thing that was ever preached to them was you just trust Jesus and believe. God does not call us to blind faith. It's the biggest lie the enemy wants to tell the whole world right now is that what happened in this book is not happening anymore and you just you just blindly believe just trust Jesus believe me I want you to trust Jesus but Jesus has an experience and promise for you that goes way beyond fixing the end and I, I, I'd come back from a, a very destroying a destructive lifestyle it was going to kill me and I, I believe 100% I would not be here today if not God dragged me out of it but I, I, I can remember just being in this desperate place needing God to do something in my life. I called on him. And he filled me with his spirit. I spoke in tongues, language I, I never knew it. I don't know it now. Just speaking tongues, letting the spirit of God move. And I can remember 
getting alone and saying, God, is that real? There was some doubt put into my heart and my mind. It wasn't real. of God just wrapped around me in that vehicle and just started to confirm that that was real that was authentic that that was something that it's supernatural that enemy doesn't want you to experience and to have and he'll get you as close as you want to get but he, he doesn't want you to get closer he doesn't want you to cross the line and I, I'm telling you to this day there are times in my relationship with God that I look back to that moment. I don't have to turn in my Bible and find where it says that I accepted Jesus Christ and how old I was and what day it was. I can tell you to the day what, what day it was. It was July 7, 1999, whenever I spoke in tongues. And God, His Spirit moved on me in a way that I had never imagined could be possible. And I look back to that day, and even days where you pray, and, and I'm trying to pray and get to God and touch Him, and I don't know if He's off taking care of some other business or just the enemies in the way. I don't know what's happening. I don't feel like I'm connecting with God. I know that day, July 7, 1999, how many of you can remember the day? You know. You remember. You know exactly what God did. And it, I don't care who it is telling me, well, that's ended, that ceased. No, I know. That did not cease. That was not a figment of my imagination because I went back and asked God, was that real or was that fake? I know. I know. Jesus' ministry touches lives of people in every part of society. He's for the down and out. He's for the up and out. He's for the over and out. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm out. He's for every one of us. And when he spoke to his disciples as they left Samaria after having come in contact with this woman, he spoke of a world that is ready for harvest. John 4 and 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I know we, we look around and it's bad. Society is bad. People are mistreated, wrong is done, injustice is everywhere. There may never be justice in this world. We may be pursuing something that we can never have. People are hurting. People are going through things in their life and the whole world, it seems like it's coming apart. And if you pay attention to CNN, MSN, NBC, all the alphabet letters that are represented there, all you see is bad. I'm telling you, open your eyes. Let him who has spiritual ear hear 
what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Let them that have spiritual eyes open their eyes and see what God is doing. Open your eyes. God is doing something in this generation. Yes, in the midst of all of this chaos and horror and the horrible things that are happening, God is still fulfilling His promises. And in your life and around you, there are hungry hearts. If you'll stand with me. church family yes I'm, I'm so glad that our guests are here today church family I want to tell you Sawani is right for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in people's lives Gwinnett County is ready for a harvest like it has never seen Georgia is ready for a harvest that God only God can do but he only does it through vessels that are willing that will be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. People all around us, they're, not, they're enthusiastic. They love God. They lack knowledge. They're hungry. They lack an experience. They want an experience. Looking at church demographics, it looks like people are leaving church like crazy. I'll tell you why people are leaving church like crazy not getting the experience. They're not getting a full revelation. They're hungry. They're looking for something. They're not satisfied with just Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. Manna one day a week. They're not happy with that. They want a relationship with God for themselves. They want to have an experience with God for themselves. And so we have an entire generation. They're just throwing it off and they're saying, well, I don't know what's out there, but I've got to find something. They want what you have. If you're a guest here today and you've not experienced what I'm talking about, if you've not come and died before God in repentance and say, I'm going to cast off these sins, you're missing out. Repentance is a positive thing. If you've not yet been baptized, and I'm so excited, we're going to have a baptism here in a little bit, two baptisms not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for washing away the stain of those sins, you're, you're missing out as part of God's plan for you. Or if you've not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, a completely God move in your life, I'm telling you, you're missing out. To ask God, believing that He's going to fulfill His promise in His Word. It's not my Word, it's His Word. That's His promise. He's telling you about my testimony. One of my dear friends, a missionary, came to stay with us. It's a number of years ago. We were, we were getting ready to start the church. And I picked him up at the airport. We went to eat, we ran around a few places. And, and after a little while, we were getting into the car, getting back into the car, and he looked at me and he said, this city, the people of this city, he said, there, there's a God consciousness here. It's not like in my city. People are conscious of God. They're aware. And he said something else to me that stuck with me forever. He said, they want more. 
They don't know where or how to find you. They want more. They don't know where or how to find you. Branches Church, we need to get vocal. We need to start telling people. I'm not saying I have the answers, but why don't you just come see? Come see if this is if God's really, if this is what we've been wanting and seeing and, and, and desire for an end-time generation. Why don't you come and just see, experience it for yourself? speak to us for just a moment wife's going to begin to play or begin to sing I wonder if you just open your heart let the spirit of God speak to you for just a moment we don't have to be in a hurry we don't have to rush let the word of God be confirmed in your spirit and in your life